0: Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this beautiful day and the breeze, and we just praise you for the beauty all around us and your care, your love care over our lives and our families. Just continue that, Lord. Will you please be with each person in the class and their families and their grandchildren and um, just cover us with your protection, each one, and no matter where our children or grandchildren are, Watch over them, Lord, and watch over us, and keep us close to you. We ask all of this and ask your blessing on the class today. In Jesus' name, Amen. This is Second Corinthians chapter five. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, so our earthly house, is body, is called our tent or tabernacle, we know that our earthly home, this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this house, this tent, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent do groan, being burdened, all kinds of sicknesses and all, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee or as the first down payment on a purchased possession. So that's the last verses of Ephesians 1 tell us this, that he gives us the Holy Spirit as a first down payment on the person that's given themselves to Jesus, given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So each believer has the Holy Spirit living within them, and we can let Him rule our lives, or we can want to rule our own lives and make Him unhappy. We don't want to do that. So we want to give the Spirit free reign in our lives. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home, In this body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We're confident, yes, well-pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim that whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Now, I'd say that that's the most important verse. Whether we are with Jesus or or here waiting for him, we want to be well-pleasing our lives to him. Therefore, verse 9, we make it our aim, Paul says, we should too, whether present or absent, that we be well-pleasing to Jesus. For we must all appear, now this is a very kind of a sobering verse, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We read about that in 1 Corinthians 3, Let's look back there just a second. 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. The day of the Lord will determine the rewards or, or loss of reward on how we build our house or how we build our lives. If anyone builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ, which is our first thing, that we accept him as Savior, then how are we going to live our lives? Well, we have gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. So the idea is that we must use gold, silver, and precious stones rather than wood, hay, and stubble, which can be burned up so quickly, because everybody will receive a reward. So back here to where we are, 2 Corinthians 5.5. 5. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in this body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And I was thinking again about this, the terror of the Lord. Uh, In 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, just go back there just a little bit, we see about the terror of the Lord. It says that everybody that came out of Egypt that was baptized, that word baptized means placed in union with, baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food. That was manna. All drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock, verse 4 of chapter 10 of First Corinthians. They drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and do not become idolaters as were some of them as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did and in one day twenty-three thousand fell nor let us tempt christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed by serpents nor murmur as some of them murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them in the Old Testament as they came out of Egypt, Egypt's slavery. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall." No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. And I was able to have this verse so fresh in my mind that I was able to give it to a Muslim lady that was visiting me, who's going through a lot of testing right at the moment. I told her what the Bible says. She was telling me what the Koran said, but it doesn't give the answers that we need. So I told her what the Bible said, that no testing has taken you except such as common demand. Everybody's been tested. God's faithful, he won't let you be tested beyond what you're able, but with the testing, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And then verse 20 says, I say the things which the Gentiles sacrifice to, they sacrifice to demons and not to Christ, not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. And then he goes on to say, verse 31, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things. Paul says, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Now then, back to Second Corinthians, where we are. Therefore, verse 9 "As we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad knowing therefore the terror of the lord we persuade men but we are well known to god and i also trust are well known to your consciences for we do not commend ourselves again to you but give you opportunity to glory on our behalf that you may have something to answer those who glory in appearance and not in heart for if we are beside ourselves if people are saying we're crazy paul said if we're beside ourselves it's for god or if we are of sound mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him, for Jesus, who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, Paul says, We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this is a very favorite verse. If anyone is in Christ, everybody in the world is either in Christ or out of Christ. In Christ means you've accepted him as your savior and believe in him is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. If anyone is in Christ, God says he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciling other people to Jesus Christ. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Did you know that's what you were? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For He made Him. For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Let's just say, for he made, God made Jesus, who never sinned, to be a sin offering for us. He took upon himself all the sins of all the world. He became a sin offering for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you, not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. This is from Isaiah 49. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. We give no offence in anything, that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God. In much patience, in troubles and tribulations, in needs. Now, these are some of the things Paul and the other disciples in the early days, and always this has happened. As ministers of God, much patience in tribulation, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults. And when I was in Rome, I saw the prison where Paul was imprisoned, down in the earth. Maybe you've all seen that place. It's just a square place, not much bigger than this, down in the earth where he was shackled. So the imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things, Paul said. O Corinthians, he goes on to say, we have spoken openly to you, our heart, is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord as Christ with Belial or Satan? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God, which is what we are? What is that? We don't have any agreement with idols, for you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is from Ezekiel 37. I will walk among them I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one, Paul is going back and saying, telling this to the Corinthians. We have corrupted no one. We have defrauded no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I have said before, you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech toward you, Paul says. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me so that I rejoiced even more, Paul said. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it. This letter that he wrote, condemning them for the way they were living, a man living in incest with his mother-in-law and so forth, all kinds of wickedness. Though I regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, But that your sorrow led to repentance, change of mind. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow, this is a very important verse, for godly sorrow produces repentance to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Therefore, We have been comforted in your comfort, and we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you there in Corinth. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true, and his affections are greater for you, as he remembers the obedience of you all how with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Moreover, brethren, chapter 8, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything—in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us—see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ this is a very wonderful verse to underline. For you know the grace, God doing the work and God getting the credit. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give my advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there may also be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance may also supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over and he who gathered little had no lack. He's telling about the manna gathering back in Moses' day. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of titus for he not only accepted the exhortation but being more diligent he went to you of his own accord and we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches and not only that but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift which is which is administered by us to the glory of the lord himself and to show your ready mind avoiding this that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you, Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So Paul's saying, now, when I've sent these missionaries to you, be kind to them and recognize what they really are. They're they're missionaries for Jesus Christ. Now, concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you for i know your willingness about which i boast of you to the macedonians that achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal has stirred up the majority yet i have sent the brethren lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect that as i said you may be ready lest if some macedonians come with me and find you unprepared we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your bountiful gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation." Paul's very wise in this, isn't he? Because they had promised this and they were trying to renege on it. So now he's saying, Um, you be ready to do what you promised and be very generous. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver." And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. This is from Psalm 112. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed, you have sown and increased the fruits of your righteousness, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal sharing with them, and all men, and by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beg you, So Paul is saying, when I'm there with you, I'm lowly and now I'm away and I'm being bold and telling you the truth. But I beg you that when I'm present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We don't make war by our fleshly means. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. These are very famous and wonderful verses for the weapons of our warfare. They aren't just normal, regular warfare, not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds that Satan puts up, casting down arguments, casting every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he belongs to Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ's, even so we are Christ's. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification, for their edification, Paul is given the authority of an apostle. And so what he said they were to do, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction. I shall not be ashamed, lest I seem to terrify you by letters. For his letters, they say, are weighty. See, the the Corinthians were saying, Paul's letters scare us to death. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak. It tells us that Paul probably had some bodily infirmity. But his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when we're absent, such we will also be indeed when we are present. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you in Corinth. For we are not extending ourselves beyond our sphere, thus not reaching you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond, and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commands himself is approved, but whom the Lord commands. Don't brag on yourself, let the Lord brag on you. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you, with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Even though I am untrained in speech, Paul says, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Did I commit sin at basing myself that you might be exalted?" because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge. I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. For what was lacking to me, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself as the truth of Christ is in me. No one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia, Asia Minor. Why, because I do not love you, God knows, but what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. for such these boasters are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. This tells us some truths that Satan has his ministers, and they can transform themselves like trying to be like ministers of righteousness. But God says their end will be according to their works again i say let no one think me a fool if otherwise at least receive me as a fool that i also may boast a little what i speak i speak not according to the lord but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting seeing that many boast according to the flesh i also will boast for you put up with fools gladly since you yourselves are so wise but you put up with it if one brings you into bondage If one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? Paul says, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters. In perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, Besides the other things which come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak, Paul says, and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas the king was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desiring to apprehend me but I was let down in a basket through a window. Now, this is all in Acts chapter 9, verses 19 through 25. I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Paul says, I know a man in Christ. Now, this is himself. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago Whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I don't know. God knows. It's when they stoned him to death. He didn't know whether he was in or out. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Now that's where God dwells. Now this heaven that we see out here is the first heaven. Outer space is the second one. And then the third heaven is out farther where God dwells. He was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise. So the third heaven is paradise and heard inexpressible words which it's not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one, Paul says, I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in mine infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I forbear lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations that he saw when he was caught up to the third heaven. He said, unless I be exalted above measure by the abundance of these revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you, and in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly, the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior? To other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. Now for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. But be that as it may, it must have been very hard on Paul, very much of a heartache that these people rejected him, said, the more I love you, the less I'm loved. But be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same Spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. And lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness or the fornication and licentiousness which they have practiced. This will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. I have told you before and foretell as if I were present the second time and now being absent I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again I will not spare since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me who is not weak toward you but mighty in you for though he was crucified in weakness yet he lives by the power of God for we also are weak in him but we shall live with him. the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Are you really Christians? Prove yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable. Though we may seem disqualified, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong, and this we also pray, that you may be made complete. So that was kind of a sad letter. Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness, according to the authority which the Lord has given me, for edification and not for destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell, become complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I've written from Dr. Ironside, he said, Paul's secret mark at the end of each of his letters Is this the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now then, we'll just go on ahead and get started a little bit in Galatians. This is one of my very favorite books. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, grace to you, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel, Paul says, that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again if anyone preaches any other gospel, for the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, he was buried three days in the tomb, rose from the dead, that's the gospel if any other gospel to you than what you've received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. How terrible he was, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. When it pleased God to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. This is, he revealed him on on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only, that He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith, which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. Let's just go back and read that in Acts chapter 9 about Paul's conversion. Then Saul, this name was Saul, God changed it to Paul. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked letters of him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, which would be Christ whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling, maybe he meant here that Saul watched while Stephen was being stoned to death. He held the garments of the people that were stoning Stephen and maybe got to him then. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand, and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of judas for one called saul of tarsus for behold he is praying and in a vision he has seen a man named ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight then ananias answered lord i have heard from many about this man how much harm he's done to your saints in jerusalem and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name but the Lord said to him, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And we just read it in Second Corinthians 11, the things he suffered. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me, that you may receive your sight, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ from the Old Testament, the Savior that would come. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Isn't this he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and didn't believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Hellenists, the Greek Jews. But they attempted to kill him. But when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So this is the conversion of Saul. So back here to Galatians, verse 13 of chapter 1. You've heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they were hearing only that he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus, and I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. But this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Jesus Christ, that they might bring us into bondage, put us back under the law of Moses, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man, for those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised, for the Jews, had been committed to me as the gospel for the Jews or the circumcised was to Peter. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the Jewish circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So Paul and Barnabas would go to the Gentiles and the others would go to the Jewish people. They to the circumcised and they desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. But when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentile. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were Jewish of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Paul said, but when I saw they weren't straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew, Peter, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if While we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinner. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Paul said, "For I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God." That's Romans six. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Many Christians take this as their life verse, and it's a wonderful one for us, each one to say, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ's death was useless or in vain. So we'll stop here, and next week we'll start with the third chapter of Galatians. Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. Bless these things to our hearts. We can't go over them enough, over and over, so that they're just seared in our conscience and in our hearts. So we ask that you would bless all these things. Bless each person here in Jesus' name. Amen.